Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is uh, spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. Hey, it's Melvin. Before we jump into today's podcast session, just wanted to take a moment to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to listen to this podcast and taking the time out of your day to listen. You know, when I launched this podcast back in 2015, it was done with a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. And I just never realized the impact that it would have on so many And uh, for that, I'm just so humbled and so grateful. If you do find the podcast helpful, if you could do a small favor for me, which is to subscribe to the Selling the Couch podcast, the best way to do that is to go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash listen and subscribe on your favorite channel and on your favorite device. Practically, this allows the podcast to be able to reach more people, uh, for us to increase our download numbers, which also helps us to land bigger guests so that we can serve you through these guest interviews. Have a wonderful day, and I hope that you enjoy today's session. Hey there, welcome to session 291 of Selling the Couch. My gosh, I cannot believe we are nine episodes away from 300 episodes. I remember when I first started the podcast, I don't know, 300 was like a number that I thought a lot about. And I remember ever imagine, like always wondering, like, would I actually have the fortitude and the resiliency to be able to get to 300 episodes? But here we almost are. And honestly, all of this is because of you guys and just the sweet notes that you share tuning in every week. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be able to serve our field in this way and get to have these amazing conversations and get to connect with some just awesome and resilient and amazing people. I'm actually joined by one of those folks today. My guest today is Dr. Karen Grayson from the thecenterstl.com. And uh, Karen had a vision a number of years ago to own a building And she decided to purchase this building in 2018, right before the pandemic. And Karen is here to guide us and help us navigate what it's been like to own a building. As Karen shares uh, two of the 
colleagues that were supposed to be with her. So it's like a four office suite and two of the colleagues that were supposed to be with her uh, actually ended up just uh, it not working out due to some personal circumstances. And so they ended up backing out right when around when this just before the pandemic hit. And so uh, this is such an amazing story of resilience. You're going to learn a lot of different things. Uh, one is just Karen's thoughts around like what uh, she did, what was the dream about purchasing building and what goes into something like that. And then Karen is going to share about what are some of the things, the practical things she did during this pandemic, especially now with the mortgage and handling all of that kind of stuff. And then we wrap up with four pieces of advice that Karen would give to her younger self who was about to purchase a building but had no idea that a pandemic was on the horizon. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Dr. Karen Grayson from the center, SDL.com. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Hey, Karen, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, we were connecting a little bit before our conversation and I you know, you were so gracious and gentle because I was like, I can't believe you reached out in 2017. (laughs) And you were just so gracious, you know, just reminding me that things happened as they should. And uh, yeah, just so appreciative for your wisdom and your spirit and for this conversation that we're going to have today. Thank you. I'm so looking forward to it. And of course, it's in its right time. Yes, absolutely. So we're talking all about managing like a therapy building during this pandemic. And I thought, where should we start with this? And I think the first thing I had was like, I was wondering if you could just tell us about this dream to purchase a building in the first place. Sure. Yes. It's a long time coming dream, right? As many powerful and important dreams are. Being a therapist is my second career. I was a college professor for 20 years. And my field wasn't even psychology, it was philosophy. It's a, you know, akin, but not the same. And there came a point when I got tired of just working with students from the neck up, you know, just their minds. I could feel their need to be more embodied, to feel what was going on for them. And in the classroom, we'd be talking about thinky things. And then we'd go to my office and they would just, you know, go for all of the real stuff in their lives, what was going on with the boyfriend, what was going on with the trauma from the childhood, all that. And I realized I needed to move into something that could hold them in a more full way. So I became a therapist. And even in graduate school, when I went back to graduate school to get my counseling training, I had this sense that I wanted to merge philosophy, psychotherapy, and my longtime 
spiritual practice. Like somehow there was going to be a way to take those three intersecting circles and find what is it right in the middle there? How is my gift going to be offered in the world? I have a really silly question. So I feel like a lot of us listen and we have these like beautiful dreams, right? And we have things like that, like those circles, right? Where we realize we have one passion and another passion and we constantly struggle how how to integrate that. I think for a lot of folks, they get to that point and it stays like a dream because it's almost like easier to abstractly think about it and vision as opposed to implementing. How did you move from vision to the implementation? A calling, an earnest desire, a willingness to persevere when I didn't know what was coming. Like all of us are needing to move into comfort in the unknown, right? The pandemic showed us that we were going to have to become comfortable with completely unknown you know, eventualities. And I think we're already moving into that as the culture and the technology and everything gets faster. You'll talk to the futurists and they're like, man, you better teach for the unknown. You better learn to live in the unknown because we can't predict the way we used to about this planet, right? Yeah. So some of it is just being steady while you don't know. Also, a really powerful concept for me has been asking the question, what wants to happen? Rather than what I want to make happen, what wants to happen? And becoming a servant to whatever wants to happen. Does that make sense? I hope that's not too ethereal or cheesy. No, I'm like so stoked about this. (laughs) I'm like internally like cheering on because there's like what I hear in that is, which I think is so interesting because I'm like slowly learning this in my business journey as well. There's such a letting go, right? And I felt like for the first several years of me as a small business owner, it was like me trying to grasp and control like every little facet. And honestly, it just leads to so much more stress. And then it never goes the way you imagined. And then which then compounds the stress, right? That's exactly right. It's just not a sustainable sort of thing. Uh, I know you're like, you're, you know, you're shaking your head. I was just, yeah, curious to hear your thoughts about that and your own journey about and how you see that. When I was finally ready after 10 years in practice as an individual therapist, and I'd been doing classes and groups here and there because I was a teacher at heart. And even though I'd been doing this one-on-one work, I wanted to go back to group work. And I'd been going to church basements or renting out library rooms. And, you know, it there's all kinds of problems with that stuff. It's fine, but I wanted an environment that I could really sink into and nest and that the environment itself would hold the people. Yeah. And so that's where I got the need to find a space. We found a space. I found a space. I say we, because I have a really awesome husband and partner and he was on board, which of course helps. I mean, that's one of my great privileges in addition to my skin color, my able-bodiedness and my academic life, you know, and my, my education, I've got a lot of support that I'm usually, I remember to be super grateful for. So we found this building and purchased it, you know, with a ton of credit. I didn't know what I was doing. I do not think of myself as a business owner. I used to call myself the notrepreneur <laughs> because I could not be an entrepreneur because I was so terrified of it. And once we purchased the building, it felt like the building was going to help me. It was going to be a womb to help me bring what I needed to bring into the world. It was becoming itself another partner for me. Amazing. 
So I have to know more details about this building. Like, I mean, where is this building? Like what, when you... There's nothing special, please. Look, don't get me wrong. There's nothing special about the building. It's in an office park. When we bought it, it was ramshackle, or not ramshackle, there's a nice office park. But that space itself, these two condos, office condos merged together, were, uh, you know, bright red carpet. It had been a Mary Kay cosmetics place. So there was still bright pink on the walls, you know, not exactly the womb you're looking for if you're about calmness, gentleness, healing, and planetary change, right? Necessarily. I mean, maybe for some people, those bright colors are awesome. But so we bought it. And then for the first year, it was redoing, refurbishing all on credit, right? All we could do is. Wow. Wait, what, what year was this, by the way? I was 2018, the year of 2018, right? Not, not knowing the pandemic's coming. I do all that work. I had two. Am I going into too much detail? No, no. I love it. Okay. Two huge setbacks in the middle of that year. The first was that key colleagues who were going to join me backed out for reasons to do with their personal and professional lives, which was terrifying and devastating, right? Because in order to make a building work with four offices and a big workshop space, the only way to pay the mortgage is to have renters who help me make the mortgage each month. And I thought, you know, my business model was that we had four renters, that was going to be enough to make the mortgage and pay the business expenses. And for the first few years, we would maybe not quite break even. But everybody says when you start a new business, the first year you lose money. The se- if you're doing it well, the second year you maybe break even. And it's only in the third year that you start to see any money, any profit. So I already knew that. And then they backed out. Wow. So now I have this space and this mortgage. So wait, all three of them backed out? Uh, there were only two at the time. Okay. Two others besides you. Two others besides me. Okay. And they both backed out. They both backed out. Then the second huge setback was downstairs in the condos was an unit owner who was a really difficult person and was extraordinarily hard to be with. She had a lot of her own issues, as sometimes people do that are unresolved. And it would come out in flashes of anger at me and you know, threatening to sue me. And it turned out she was doing that with everybody at the office park. She got a colleague disbarred from his, that's not the right word, but from his accounting practice. So it was a little scary. I kept sending her love. I kept going down and checking in with her. How can I help you? And that, that solved it. But for a while, that was also terrifying. And even during that first year, I kept thinking, should I close it? Is this a bad idea? Should I cut my losses and sell the building? You know, And you keep going forward because you're being, I'm learning to be just gentle with myself fierce with my purpose and let what wants to unfold unfold. Yeah, I love the the contrast and the use of those words, right? Like usually we're like fierce with ourselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 And and something like this you yeah, you you so have to be gentle and kind to yourself, right? Because and I think you resonate with this like uh, at least for me, one of the most important life lessons maybe that this business has taught me is the importance of like self-compassion and the more I can be kind to myself the better I am in those I can help you know of course yes and you are you know you exude that and you exuded that from the first time I listened to your podcast at the very beginning of it when you didn't have all the fancy equipment when you didn't have it all perfect And yet there was something in you that said, I'm doing this anyway as a gift. And I could feel that 
from you. So thank you for that. Hey there, I hope that you're enjoying today's session. If you've been listening to podcasts for a while and have had the thought of, oh my gosh, Mel, I want to launch my own podcast, just wanted to let you know that we have a free podcasting workshop that you can watch at a time and a date that's convenient for you. It's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. It basically has many of the lessons that I have learned being a podcaster since 2015 taking the STC podcast from an idea that literally came in the shower to working through a lot of fears around being an imposter to recently the podcast passing the 1.7 million download mark with listeners now in over 120 countries all around the world. Again, the free podcasting workshop is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. We'll get right back to today's session. You're so welcome. And I think, yeah, I mean, you articulated that so well. And yeah, that kind of hit, that definitely hit because I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, I've, I did that same thing because it was like not knowing if it was going to work out, you know, and it was just with the genuine sort of, I mean, you said it well, like it's a vision, an image that you have in your mind, but you're not actually sure how you're going to quite get there, but you just sort of have to trust and take those steps one at a time, you know, practical question. So these two folks back out, how did you pay the mortgage at that point? More loan money and my own practice. You know, this is the other thing. The whole time I'm working on the building, I'm trying to run my own therapy practice in my old space. So I took on more clients, you know, moving back and forth between the plumbers coming today, but I've got two clients and one in crisis, you know. So it's just a bunch of navigating and juggling. Now I come from a family with five kids two of whom are adopted with some special needs. So already I was in, had been in a circus for 20, 25 years, right? So when you already have learned a little bit of how to stay grounded with all that juggling and all of our, you know, paycheck to paycheck living in our big family, and sometimes our credit card to paycheck living. So even though it was always a little bit anxiety producing, I had all those years of learning to trust and deepening into a commitment to my purpose in spite of what it looked like on the outside and a willingness to learn what I needed to learn. And sometimes things failed, you know, sometimes it's not like I did that and let's have a pretty little box tied up with a bow where you do all that and then everything works perfectly. What are those? That's not how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was wondering if you could even take us inside just as you're comfortable. What was like one of those situations where it did fail, like with the mortgage or, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, not having those two people at the center with me felt like a failure. And also, I took it as my personal failure. They're not coming because my idea isn't good. I'm not good. Oh, my God. Right? So that caused the second setback, which was this deep depression and terror. What am I doing? What am I doing? One of the things that helped me practically, aside from having credit and doing my own practice and keeping the finances basically, you know, above the flood. Yeah, whatever the uh, yeah the accounting term whatever the right metaphor is. Right, right. We're therapists. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, above the the abyss is really what it was. Just staying just above it. Another thing that helped me practically was a business friend who had helped me with the spreadsheet from the beginning, and kept reminding me that if I couldn't make it work, we'd put. We'd bought a two hundred thousand dollar building. We'd put almost another hundred thousand in it. So now I'm in the hole, not all of it, because I had some savings to start, but we're in the hole some, but the building was going to be beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, and other people would want it. 
So worst case, I sell it and recoup as much of that as possible. And maybe I lose $10,000, which is a privileged thing to say, right? I get that. Maybe I would lose $10,000. It would not be easy because then I have to scramble more and worry more. But you know, the worst case is I lose a little bit of money. But I knew there was always that like safety net. I can always just sell the building and quit. Uh, I, I'm sure you thought of this in the moment, but like that was such a wise thing to do to have like a business minded friend walking alongside of you, like running these numbers. And because I, I think, I oh, mean, if I were in that situation and I didn't know like that was an option or if I didn't have even somebody walking alongside of me, I'd be, be so panicked. But just the fact of like, okay, there isn't, if the worst case scenario happens, this is an option. I mean, I would think that in some ways, like as hard as it's been, it was also a bit liberating, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I wanted yeah. To And you know, by the way, I learned that idea of making sure you have people in place to support you. I learned that from your podcast. So many people that you have on the podcast saying everything was terrible because I wouldn't hire a bookkeeper or I wouldn't hire an administrative assistant. Yeah. And I just want to second that. And I learned that from you, from you and your podcast. Thank you. I uh, know it's a lesson that I've learned too. I mean, I alluded to it earlier. Like it felt like initially I wanted to do everything, control everything, but then I I remember hearing a quote, and I'm probably going to butcher it, and I've mentioned it other times on the podcast, but like, basically, if you can find someone to do what you are doing at 80% of the quality, then it might be worth delegating out just because of the time and the sort of the emotional like baggage that it frees up, you know? Yeah, I mean, even practically, book, you mentioned bookkeeping, like that was a big thing for STC. Like, I, I like numbers, I like personal finance, but trying to go through and, you know, reconcile stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, it gave me more of a headache. I was like, you know what? I There's people that are trained to do this and the, you know, the emotional burden that's lifted. And then they give me something that's way better than I can create. It is more accurate, right? So I wanted to shift a little bit. Uh, so obviously we're talking, we're right in the middle of this pandemic, hoping day by day things do get better. How has this impacted you? And, you know, owning the building and all of that? Well, by the time the pandemic hit, I found the people to be in the center, right? They had showed up starting in 2019 after that depression and fear in the end of 2018. Of course, as I stay true to my purpose, gentle with myself, trusting that if it wants to happen, it's going to happen. Of course, they show up. So I had three colleagues that I didn't even know who fell into my lap. How do they show up? Uh, word of mouth. Word of mouth. I mean, I'm a um, I'm an IFS therapist in St. Louis, and I train other IFS therapists. And so I'm, I have a little bit of a presence in the St. Louis community. And so people knew people, you know, I think you would be a great fit at the center. Karen's building this cool thing. Go talk to her. That's so cool. It's all networking. Yeah. But I yeah. think it speaks to the power of like just authentic human connection, you know, because I think especially in this day and age, there's such this emphasis on like, having a social media presence, whatever that means. Right. But like, but at the end of the day, for me, it's like, and I think you're saying this, like, it's about like human connection, right? Like sometimes our local network, right. Our local group of people, friends, family, coworkers. I mean, they're often the best sources of, you know, referrals, potential 
folks that are renting your office, any of those things, you know? They really are. And I would say for each of us, one thing I've learned is to find out really clearly what your own core strengths are, what you're Mm -hmm. already really good at. And, you know, I got a lot of benefit from working with a strengths-based coach. You know, do you know the Gallup Clifton Strengths? Yeah, I actually did the Gallup one like probably three months ago. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Well, so what happened to me is one of the ones I'm really low on, like the, my 30th strength, out, you're supposed to care about your top seven or 10. My one that I'm terrible at is called activator, which is what entrepreneurs have to be, right? They have to make things happen. So you're asking, so what did I do? How did I get these people after the other ones fell through? I went to my coach. I said, I'm not an activator. How am I going to get my people? And what he taught me was not to get good at the things you're bad at, Right, Not to work on those lower strengths that you don't really have a lot of, but to use other strengths in their place for their purpose. So to your point, one of my strengths is relational connection. So for me, the networking is the way to activate things in the world. I'm a networker. I connect with people. I do that kind of real-time face-to-face thing, which is also why I needed a brick-and-mortar business. Not everybody does. You know, if your strengths are video and your strengths are giving speeches, you don't have to have a brick and mortar building in which to present your material. Such a subtle way you said it, but it's so powerful, right? Like owning our strengths. Because it turns out if I don't have that strength, I'm not shackled. I have to learn how to use the strength I do have to serve that purpose. Yeah. And then I think you said something which was so beautiful earlier, which is, I think, especially in in this society, there's often this like focus on sort of deficiencies and getting better with those deficiencies. And yes, which I, and I think you're presenting something else, which is sort of, maybe the thing is actually honing in on your strengths, you know, and sort of accentuating those. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to look at my Clifton strengths after our conversation, but yeah, it's Yeah. I couldn't do much with them on my own. It's sort of like, well, there they are, these stagnant little adjectives of who I am. And they felt true, but I really needed to work with someone who understands how to make good use of them. Yeah. How did you, I mean, offhand, like, how did you find your coach? Was it through networking? Nice. And it was somebody that was trained with Clifton Strengths. Yes, absolutely. I have a, a really good friend who's a Clifton Strengths trainer in St. Louis. And if you want to put that on the podcast notes, I can give you his name. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So these three individuals came in, right? But then Mm -hmm. we had an open house. We start to build everything. It's June, right? We're going into the end of 2019. Everything looks like, oh my gosh, it's the second year. I'm actually breaking even. We're doing this. Pride cometh before a fall. (laughs) (laughs) And then the pandemic hit, right? So it wasn't actually that bad in actuality. It was bad in emotion and mental and, and, you know, body space, because you're living in the unknown, because you don't know if it's going to last, because you think maybe the whole thing's going to collapse, and you stay steady with yourself while you have fearful, anxious parts, and you take care of them. I mean, one of the things that's helped me the most is all my work with IFS therapy. I don't know if you know that modality, but if I didn't have that modality, I'm sure I would be quite lost. I mean, I, 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 I can't say I'm sure I would, but that modality has been magical in supporting me and my inner system. Because the only way you're going to do work out in the world is if your inner life 
is fairly solid or at least workable. Yeah. So what uh, I, I know a bit about it. So like what sort of part emerged as this pandemic started? Because my, at least my thought was there was a whole stage of depression, all of that, right? Like, oh my gosh, if I had that, that would be, you know, whatever I would name it, right? Like, but I'm kind of curious, like what part emerged? Of course, fear. My accountant part was freaking out, right? My financial accountant part of me was terrified. Um, but deeper than that, I have I would call what I would call a core wound, which is about being defective or not good enough. That is my particular thorn in the side. You know, I suck is basically what that part says. And I can make anything be about how I suck, right? Even a pandemic. See? See, I suck. I can't, I'm not going to make this work. And so just doing work with a therapist, with an IFS therapist, a mentor, doing my own work, working with the part, calming it down, connecting with it, doing the kind of work you learn to do in IFS really helped me to stay true to my purpose, fierce with my purpose, and gentle with myself. Not always, but much of the time. And on the practical level, Mel, it worked out okay because I got a PPP loan. Two of my three colleagues, there's four of us, so I'm one of the four. Two of the three stayed. One of them left. The pandemic hit, and she's like, I can't afford the rent. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to do it all at home. Goodbye. So like that, I had lost that rent. But I'd already started working with a young person who wanted to be a supervisee and learn IFS. And I'd been giving her free office space for about nine months. She would just trade with other people because I was trying to help her grow her world because I don't have a huge profit-seeking part of me that I have to battle all the time. I'm not, I'm not all about that. I'm just about you know connecting and serving and everybody being lifted up. So she came into that office space and started paying me part of the rent, not all of it. So I didn't lose all my rent. And we were able to make it through the worst of the pandemic because the other people stayed and did their clients from Zoom in their offices. It reminds me of that phrase we were talking about earlier, how when we let go, how things just sort of happen and come to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I would say when, when all of my parts are in their right roles and they're not jangled and yelling at me, that open space for my core self to listen, to listen to the divine, to my higher self, to my wisdom, whatever it is. But when all that other stuff around me that's internal is yelling, there's no space to listen for what needs to happen, for what my right next step is. Yeah, that authentic voice, right? I wanted to wrap up with the question. Uh, our, see, I told you our time was going to fly. <laughs> It does. It's so fun talking with you. Thanks. What advice would you give to your younger self who was about to purchase this building but had no idea that a pandemic was on the horizon? Yeah. Well, lucky for me, you gave me that as a heads up last week that this was a question. And I've been thinking about that question. And so I want to give you four pieces of advice that have been coming to me this week for my younger self, for my yeah, new self. One, everything is an invitation for growth, everything. And anytime something hits me, I don't necessarily see it as an invitation for growth. Of course, I see it as a roadblock or a problem. And if I can look at that thing and say, you are inviting me to grow. I don't know how, I don't know what, but I'm willing. And being willing to reorient myself to this is an invitation for me mm. has been. And if I, I would have told myself, 
self to, to just remember that. I live that way, but I would have really wanted to underline that for my younger self. Number two, birthing is a hard thing. And anytime you're bringing something into existence, you have both expansion and contraction. That's how the birthing process works, right? Expand and then contract. And so that depression I had, that time of, I hate this, I hate myself, I can't do it. Those are just contractions. Those are a natural part of the birthing process. You can't birth something by just being wide open all the time. You have to contract for the next push. So that metaphor, remembering that would have helped me a lot. Number three, I just learned this this summer, Melvin. I'm not in charge of time. <laughs> like you'd think I would know that because it's so obvious, but I've really just come into that more clearly. I am not in charge of time. And in fact, I don't want to be in charge of time because my cells are listening, my cells in my own body. And so when I'm in charge of time, I get anxious and fretful and my cells hear that. And then there's toxicity and cortisol and all that stuff we know about from neurobiology. So I'm not in charge of time. And, you don't, and I don't want to be. And then fourth, I know we have to, we're about out of time here. I would have reminded myself and really encouraged myself to open to a larger container. I was busy thinking I'm creating the container for other people, right? Because I'm a good servant and I'm noble and I'm creating this beautiful container. And really to allow myself to be one of the beings who is being nurtured and held by a larger container really important. So open myself to wise, loving friends, to business colleagues and support, to podcasts and other learnings that are going to help me. Let that all hold me instead of pushing at the front edge. Or imagining what you imagine the container to be, right? And just sticking to that. Yes. Karen, I, I am just so grateful for you. I'm grateful one to see you. Uh, and then to just to hear, even just in this conversation, such a glimpse of I don't know, just beautiful resilience. I mean, to be able to navigate this with, I don't know, just holistically, you know, I think it's just so encouraging. I know that for folks listening, I think you're going to find that same source of encouragement. So I am just grateful for this space and grateful for this time together. Uh, where can Me too. Thank you. Where can we learn more about you and uh, the center and the awesome stuff that you're doing in the world? Right. The center, stl.com, right? STL for St. Louis, the center, stl.com and get on the mailing list. And then you'll know, and you'll, there's a button for it on the website. You'll see the events and the workshops and the classes, the IFS classes coming up on the website. Contact me directly from the website. There's a button for it. Awesome. Karen, thank you again for this time and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Mel. You too. And thanks for the great work you're doing. You're so welcome. Bye. Bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Karen. And whether you have aspirations to own a building or if you currently own a building for your practice, I hope that today's podcast conversation is just giving you some inspiration and tips and uh, giving you just another person to connect with uh, to be on this journey. Karen's website is, again, over at thecenterstl.com. As I was reflecting on this conversation, I think one of the biggest things that I took away was just that image that Karen mentioned at the end of expansion and contraction. That's the process that's involved in the birthing process. And so you know, oftentimes we focus on expansion, right? Like when we're launching something, it's go, 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 go. 
But then when that inevitable contraction kind of happens, if you're like me, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? I need to fight this. And I think one of the biggest things I took away from today's conversation is just letting those moments be and learning to just embrace the journey, no matter whether I'm in that expansion or contraction stage. I think it particularly resonated because this week, uh, even yesterday, I was actually working on one of the lectures for the workshops for online course school. And it was all about like creating an awesome sales page for your online course. And I I found myself like really doubting. I had spent, so I do like these four hour work blocks and I had spent like a good two hours like crafting this whole like workshop about you know, how we sort of break things down at STC. We do this exercise where it sort of identifies the different facets and the parts that are going to be part of the sales page and how then we take that page and then actually make it into a formal sales page. And I was going through it and I just had these like fears and doubts of like, Mel, everybody knows this stuff already. You know, who's going to actually pay attention and benefit from this and this and that. It was just like a lot of this like sort of critical fear-based voice. And I think this conversation with Karen just reminded me that, you know, I'm in this process of expansion and there's inevitably going to be that contraction. And what I just sort of have to do is breathe it in and and let it be. So I hope uh, you are able to do that as well. Show notes to today's podcast episode can be actually found right on this uh, episode. And the best way to do that is to, if, you, if you're pulling it up on your phone, uh, just hit the info and you'll get all of the, the information and the resources that Karen mentioned. I also put a number of different resources that are available through STC, whether it's like free podcasting workshops or uh, even with online course school, a free A to Z online course guide that I put together for you guys. All that's available there. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up 
your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to today's session. Just wanted to also let you know that we have a free email newsletter that goes out every week. You can download it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter. Basically, uh, that newsletter contains some of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes with STC and also with my life and how I'm balancing and trying to balance uh, being both an entrepreneur as well as building a life around my family and my health as well. And it also contains the latest podcast episode and some of the stuff that I'm doing on LinkedIn, some of the strategies and things that are working for me. And then finally, a brand new section called On Mel's Mind, where I take a video or a book or a blog post or something like that that's inspiring me for that week, and I share how I'm implementing it both in my life and in my business. Again, you can download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter. And if you are one of the 3,700 colleagues that have been a part of the email newsletter, I so appreciate you and uh, I'm grateful for your support. We genuinely try to make these helpful and uh, and just based on the data and based on the feedback we're getting, it seems like we're doing a really good job. So appreciate you and uh, I hope that you have a great day.